Hi, my name is Ava Langridge, and I'm here to help you become a climate activist. On this episode of Let's Talk Climate, Leah Thomas and I chat about how she gained her title of Intersectional Environmentalist and the importance of accessible climate knowledge. We also cover the influence of the early 2000s in Leah's work. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. Can you start by briefly introducing yourself? Absolutely. My name is Leah Thomas, um, also known as Green Girl Leah on Instagram, and I'm an environmental justice advocate, an author, and the founder of Intersectional Environmentalist, which is a climate justice collective and nonprofit. So you define intersectional environmentalism as an inclusive version of environmentalism that advocates for both the protection of people and the planet. You are an intersectional environmentalist. Can you please share your story on how you gained that title? Yeah, I try to be working on it. Um, But yeah, I just really, really care about the protection of our planet. It's not something that occurred to me really early on. I think it was just kind of innate. Like I just liked running around and being in nature. And it wasn't until I went to school a little bit later, university, that I started studying environmental science more formally. And it's kind of funny because even then I didn't realize that I was super passionate about it. I was like, oh, you know, I just kind of enjoy the classes. But later as I learned more and especially how social justice, which I'm really interested in, intersected with environmental outcomes, I just felt like it was something that wasn't really talked about enough. And I wanted to see how I could connect my peers and other people who aren't necessarily in the world of climate to really understand how environmental issues impact different communities differently. So based on race and income and gender, and then also showing people, you know, not just talking to them about things that feel really far away, like the carbon in the atmosphere, but things that are right down on earth happening in their own community um, from lack of food access to tree coverage to air and water quality, etc. So I started utilizing social media, digital media, communications, etc. to really just make uh, social justice and environmental justice as accessible as possible. So that's skipping over a lot of different chapters, but I really just like talking about the earth and being good to people and planet and really using untraditional avenues to do so. So I've written in publications, everything from Vogue to Playboy, which is kind of funny about environmental justice because I wanna reach as many people as I can um, that may have otherwise not seen this information. And that's how I kind of got the title. What is your general target demographic? That's such a good question. I think I, um, you know, grew up in the 2000s and there was just something about pop culture that was so captivating during that time, which we even see younger Gen Zers in the last couple of years paying homage to with like the return of Y2K and like later 2000s fashion, which is so interesting. But pop culture has such a way to transform public opinion. Um, And we've seen that time and time again with different, you know, social campaigns. So I think my target demographic of people is really people who aren't necessarily climate people. I mean, I love bringing climate people into the mix, but finding ways to make 
climate justice theme as accessible and relatable as possible. So using things like music, like I host climate justice concerts and things like that, using art, pop culture, things that feel really re uh, relevant to people to make the connection back to earth. Um, so I would say my target demographic tends to be sometimes Gen Zers or people who are into really specific like niches like music or art, etc. Um, but I guess there's a lot because I also work with school kids. So in K through 12 education, then I also pop up on college campuses. So I would say those are probably my main demographics. And then like using what I learned about pop culture just being so captivating and you can't take your eyes away from it and trying to use that force for good, for social good education and environmental education. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's fascinating how you bring up this concept a little bit of multimedia and just different approaches and using a way that resonates with you and essentially the people you're trying to connect with um, and just shows you that there's so many approaches and stances you can take on environmentalism and sustainability. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So you are the founder of Intersectional Environmentalist, which is a climate justice collective radically imagining a more equitable and diverse future of environmentalism. It focuses on advocating for people and the planet, like you said, um, and your mission is to empower a new generation of environmentalists and reshape the future of environmentalism to one that is rooted in equity and inclusion. Can you please expand on how IE is doing that? Yeah, so when we first began, I guess, going on three years ago, which is just so wild, we really were just here to provide resources. So sometimes that looks like resources for people struggling with eco-anxiety to feel a little less anxious through making climate art that encourage them to take care of themselves. We also really want to just provide, again, that fun, accessible, bite-sized information, um, which I was really surprised that there's a lot of people around the world who do want to learn about environmental justice, but they just didn't know where to start. Um, so we want to be able to summarize different environmental justice issues happening all over the world so people can dip their toes in it and then hopefully get really connected to the organizations in their communities. So we make free resources, everything from our zine, which was really fun, which was a Y2K inspired climate justice magazine with infographics and data and just making it as fun as possible. Um, we also do events called Earth Sessions, which are those educational climate justice experiences that we do where we bring local organizations together with musicians and have this experience learning about issues that are happening, the solutions that are available, and then we get to just enjoy with music. Um, we also do consulting behind the scenes. So we work with organizations, whether they're nonprofits, NGOs, or companies to reshape their philanthropic efforts to donate to more EJ orgs or to reshape their sustainability strategies. And then we often work with schools and colleges. So we um, kind of go to schools around the country and have little trainings about environmental justice. But at its core, our main thing is accessible climate justice education and getting that to people in any way possible. So using your definition of intersectional environmentalism, you talk about climate justice. Mm -hmm. You say that intersectional environmentalism 
quote, identifies the ways in which injustices happening to marginalized communities and the earth are interconnected. It brings injustices done to the most vulnerable communities and the earth to the forefront and does not minimize or silence social inequality. What is a story of environmental injustice that has most impacted you? Ooh, I think there's a lot, but one that was really close to home. So I grew up in a small town in like the middle of the United States and uh, right outside of St. Louis, Missouri. And there was a lake that ran along the entire uh, neighborhood of Hazelwood or Florissant. And a couple years ago, we found out that the lake was contaminated, uh, very, very contaminated, and that it actually contaminated a nearby elementary school that was about maybe 10 minutes away from my elementary school. And there was radioactive waste from a previous war that's been in the water and is leading to increased cancer rates for people in the area. And I even have a cousin that passed away that lived in that area, another cousin who developed um, stage four cancer at a really, really early age in life. And I think it's something that I didn't know was an EJ issue until now and i'm seeing it kind of plague the community and it yeah begs the question like shouldn't everyone have access to clean air and clean water and how can entire neighborhoods of thousands and thousands of people have this sort of water um, where people have been swimming in it for decades and had no idea that it was you know causing all these health issues so that's something that i was really um yeah, just passionate about. My mom is also a, she works in the school district where this was happening. So had to, she works in the mental health space. So had to address, you know, the concerns of children, like, you know, elementary school children who don't understand why they have to move schools and think it's because they did something wrong when of course they didn't. There's just, you know, something going on in the water. So that's an issue that, you know, impacted my community somewhat recently. And I've been trying to raise more awareness about. Well, thank you for sharing that. Can anyone become an intersectional environmentalist? Yeah, I would say anyone can. Um, and yeah, you just really first and foremost have to care about the protection of people and planet and then take action, whatever that means to you. I think the first step is to try to be as informed as possible, but know that it's never going to be perfect. There's so many topics that I don't know about in the social justice space, but I'm just committed to learning. And I hope that, you know, the people who are listening are too. So I would say, um, yeah, really try to think about the who in addition to the what, as I call it. So when you know, like the what, of environment, like an environmental issue, you know, like the water is polluted or the air is unclean. It's really important to take it one step further and think about the who. So like who is the water pollution impacting? Who is the air pollution impacting? Is it impacting anyone disproportionately or negatively? So always being aware of the who in addition to the what of environmental issues. We even see that sometimes when people are like, well, we gotta get this carbon out of the atmosphere. That's the most important thing. It's like, why? Because who? Because of us, because of the future generations of people and the current generations of people that are being impacted by it. So making sure that we don't separate people um, from planet. Really great point to, to bring up. And I also think it's important that people recognize that as climate activists, even, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I'm so far from perfect. And this there is this tendency to have 
the all or nothing approach to environmentalism. And I think it prevents people from even getting into the space to start with. And it's like, as you know, somebody as a climate activist who's been doing this for a couple of years now, and I give, I may give the impression that I know what I'm doing, but I am figuring it out as I go. And I don't think that should prevent people from even, you know, starting in the first place, really doing as much as you can with whatever capacity you have is truly going to be beneficial and impactful. Just keep asking yourself the who question as well on top of that. It was recently your one year anniversary for your book. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the book is titled Intersectional Environmentalists, How to Dismantle Systems of Oppression to Protect People and the Planet. What were some of the biggest takeaways from building and piecing this book together? My God, yeah. I had so much fun writing the book and it makes me happy that it's having like a, so it's being used in schools now, which is exactly why I wrote it. And it's just so exciting. Um, Yeah, there's a school in California that picked it up for their freshmen or the first year students. And it's just beyond my wildest dreams that that was my dream. Like I want people who are entering their college experience or, you know, whatever educational journey to stop and take a moment and think about just simply like how are people and planet being impacted? So I'm just really excited about that. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I just, I write when I have something to say. And then sometimes like if I don't have anything to say, I'm like, okay, I'm done. And when I, I just had a lot to say when it came to that book, um, I just wanted to make it as easy as possible to get people to understand like here's what environmental justice is here's the history of it um here's the history of ecofeminism because i feel like that's really important to get your brain over to intersectional environmentalism to see that there's already a field of study that looks at how some of the most marginalized in society like women are also treated like the environment so i just really wanted to put that all together things that i learned over years and years of research um, so people could start their journeys earlier than me And I really hope that this is just a starting point and then they read so many other books and I wanted to make sure that I included as many people as possible. There's over 20 contributors because again, this isn't just my story to tell. Um, There's so many elders who have been doing this work and activists now who are doing it. So I really just wanted to, again, write the perfect introduction. It's not perfect by any means, but Nice introduction that felt really accessible, easy to learn for people to start their journey. So I think the target demographic is probably around like 17 to, I don't know, like going into college or 20, 30 somethings. But I've also seen book clubs where people like in their 70s are reading it. And that also makes me really excited. So yeah, that was the purpose of writing the book. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's wonderful to hear that it's intergenerational right because we need all generations partaking in this it can't just be young people I mean obviously young people are at the forefront of this Um, and they need accessible quality climate education information um, that's interdisciplinary and not just you know the scientific aspect of it all very very exciting things thank you for piecing together such you know a wonderful resource um, that's made it accessible for for so many people And yeah, it's extremely exciting to hear that it's in schools um, because we need books like that. We need information like that that's asking those questions. And so the concluding question is, what are some or the biggest mistakes you have made as an environmental climate activist? 
Oh, such a good question. Because I think failure is our biggest teacher. And I failed so many times more than I have succeeded. Like so many countless, like exponentially higher. Um, I think some lessons, one would be just respecting other people's theories of change, even if I don't love it or it's not my theory of change. Um, I remember, yeah, I don't know. I think there can be a lot of infighting in the climate movement of like, no, you have to be an academic or you actually have to be taking it to the streets or you can't be a content creator or an influencer. That's not legit enough. And like a lot of discrediting of other people's theories of change instead of realizing like we are a beautiful and diverse climate movement and it's going to take all of us in every field showing up. And it, we activism doesn't need to just look a certain way. So I've been on the receiving end of that and then also the opposite end where, you know, that was a big mistake where I thought activism needed to look a certain way um, and not realizing how I could coalition build with people who are different. So that I would say is a big mistake that I see myself make and lots of activists make instead of finding the beauty in everyone's theories of change. Um, separately, I think navigating content creation as an environmental activist. So something like advertisements on social media and influencing and trying to figure out what makes sense for me and what doesn't. Um, so I think that's something where I definitely am like, you know, if I'm going to do that, it should be for like, like an org. Like, so I do, you know, content with um, like environmental nonprofits or like the U.S. Department of Health or like a green beauty brand if I really, really like them. But I think that's something a lot of activists don't know how to navigate. And all of a sudden building a platform and having people reach out and say, oh, okay, well, we want to support your work. But like, hold this bottle. Um, so that's something I definitely needed to learn how to navigate and still am navigating. So those are just some lessons along the way. And I think I'm going to continue to learn those lessons and we will see. I mean, you're doing a wonderful job so far. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Let's Talk Climate. I truly learned so much today and we'll be taking quite a few of the lessons and points we made into my own activism um so yeah thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me i'll see you a little later <laughs>